You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley, and I'm lead pastor of Formation Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I also write about developing relationship with God at ryanhughley.com. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Formation, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. So we just finished up a series of conversations about uh, the value of smaller in general, but really specifically focused on smaller venues. Yeah. And this Physical is, environment. Yeah. This yep. is something I think as, you know, we've even, you were just referencing a conversation that you had with a, a Mormon friend recently where he was saying, even post-COVID, how a lot of the Mormon wards here in Salt Lake City, they have not like, quote unquote, bounced back when yeah. it comes to their attendance. Yeah. And so an experience that many churches are having right now is that they are not as big as they were pre-2020. Sure. I mean, the average ward, because you're like assigned a ward and a Mm -hmm. time and all of, I mean, they should be largely full. And they had mentioned that there had been weeks where like in the service they went to, there might've been 20 people. Yeah. It was the number he, he used. So yeah, yeah, and and I, our point is not in any way like a critique of Mormonism, though we no. could spend a long time with that. It's more <laughs> about like it just seems like getting people to come back together mm-hmm. uh, is something that is a real unique challenge right now sure. for a lot of different people. And so <clears throat> in there's a couple of ways to think about that. One is to bemoan that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way is to maybe there's an invitation from God in the midst of this to rethink what we the 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 value we place on big and small community. Yeah. Does that make and sense? To just be a good steward with what you've been with what you trusted have. with. Right. Yeah. And so oftentimes it's very easy to like there are very obvious benefits to large churches. And again, mm-hmm. we speak into this from a place of having pastored both large and small churches. Sure. Having been a part of both large and small churches. And I would say that there is obvious value in large churches. That is not how, like when you think about being a part of a larger church or the larger churches that we've had uh, the privilege of being a part of at times, what are some of the obvious benefits that you think of? I mean, a big one that comes to mind is, uh, you know, I know not every large church is like this, but the one that we had the opportunity to be a part of, I mean, they had taken over an old hotel that Mm -hmm. had a big catering facility. I mean, we had a commercial kitchen, a walk-in fridge and freeze. I mean, and we had uh, someone, she wasn't full-time, but she worked quite a few hours. And I mean, if we decided to have, like wanted to have a uh, staff lunch, I could say something to her the day before. Yeah. Sometimes the morning she of for everything and she just got it figured out and um, it was inexpensive and it was like the ability to like have events and things like that were like, I mean, there was a facilities person, there was a, this person, there was a, like, it was easy. I remember I like, uh, got a couple of things for my office, uh, like a standing desk and things like that. And uh, one of the facilities people came in and like 
put it all together while I was like working on the church finances and that kind of thing. And like, I turned around and all of a sudden it was installed. Yeah. And so, so I hear two things. Yeah. Like one would be facilities yep. oftentimes. Yep. Um, another one would be staffing. Yep. You just got a lot more staffed help to be able to do a lot of stuff. I mm-hmm. think, I think about this as a parent, um, family ministries typically um, focused on youth ministry and children's ministry. That, that stuff is just way more prevalent in larger churches than it is smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Now there, is I've got all kinds of opinions about the uh, inherent value of traditional the student efficacy. ministry. Sure, wow, that's how proud of you are you are, are of yourself are you in so this moment proud. that you even used the word properly? You pronounced oh. it right. Oh yeah, everything. It just came to my yeah. mind. I was like, I gotta throw it in there. If only this was video, people could see how pleased <laughs> you are, how smug your face is. Yep. I'm like, did you hear the word? Um, but anyways, I just think, again, there's all kinds, like from a production standpoint, mm-hmm. from a uh, quality oftentimes of production, all of those things tend to be obvious benefits in larger churches. Well, I even think of like the ability, it's not about creativity, mm-hmm. but the ability, the resources, the all of that to like take creative ideas and translate them into something tangible yeah. is way different. Way, yeah, totally is. And so, but I think because there's all of those obvious benefits, then people contrast that with small churches. And then that's how we end up in this place where then small, then large church is better than small church. Yeah. And I think it's not about better than. There are unique values that are present in both large and small churches. And so what we want to do is we want to focus a series of conversations on, okay, well, what are the unique values that are present in smaller churches? Many, many, many of us are pastoring and leading in smaller communities right now. Yep. And we can be like, we can feel very restless about that. We can be frustrated by that. We can Mm -hmm. kick against that, or we can embrace that as, as like, well, what is the good in that? Well, and even if you're not pastoring at a smaller church, it's smaller than it used to be. Yeah. Very likely. Very, very likely. So uh, what are the unique values offered in smaller communities? That's kind of the overarching question for this uh, unnumbered series of conversations mm-hmm. that we'll have. We'll, we'll see. just see. I got them all labeled by C. So it's really a matter of how many C words can I think of mm-hmm. that I'm are. I'm going to go get unique. the dictionary tonight and just go down That's the list. It. So the first one we want to talk about is connection. Uh, smaller churches can provide more simple inroads to connection. Now, yeah. I would I just want to start this by saying I know of some large churches that really do an excellent job of helping people get connected. Mm-hmm. But having attended multiple, the, I have not pastored in multiple large churches, but yeah. I've attended multiple large churches in my life. Sure. Even huge ones. And oftentimes I have found that like as a, fr- and I think a great way to think about this is when you're, when you're some, somewhere for the first time, you are a first-time guest. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes when you look at like, how do I get connected here? If someone can't figure that out in a matter of minutes, it's way too complicated. Totally. And oftentimes you hear from, like I, I hear from people all the time. I just had the hardest time getting connected. Mm-hmm. At, like I, I attended a very large church in Chicago for a number of months when I first got to college. Mm-hmm. And I was there, I think three months. No one ever said hi to me. 
I never was offered any opportunity to get connected. Yeah. I just attended a service. Yeah. And I got to tell you, the services were awesome, but I was there for three months and did not get connected and then ended up at another church as a result of it. Sure. And I think, I mean, I'm sure we'll call it out throughout this series, but I think just having on the table, like you said, there are, um, we're talking about the advantages of smaller church, but just like throwing out there, like there's going to be some uh, large churches who do it amazingly and some small churches who don't do it well. Yeah. And so we get all that and we're just trying to be helpful, especially for those who might be in that smaller church context and live under this like kind of idea that, well, once we get big mm-hmm. or, you know, then we can. And yeah. I think there's so much being missed today. Yeah. And so there are, I think this is, and this is definitely true of connection. It should be easier to be more deeply connected in a small church, absolutely in a in a perfect world, yeah, that should that is what should be, yeah. And so, so let's just like think about what are some of the challenges. Like again, they're not they don't exist in every large church, but let's talk about some common challenges that could exist in larger communities. Mm-hmm. And I kind of alluded to this first one, but oftentimes the connection path can be very unclear. Sure, you know, you show up to a service, either you know maybe you're asked to fill out some kind of info connection card type yeah. thing, but then you wonder, like, is anyone going to follow up with me about yeah. that? Like, do I just jump into a small group? Well, that's pretty terrifying as an introvert yep. to have that be my first step. Like, is there a bunch of classes I have to go to? Yeah. Because churches do it so many different ways, it's easy for that that connection path to be overly complicated, convoluted, and complicated for one to understand. Sure. If there's a path, clear path at all. Yeah. And you might even have like staff that focus on that. But the challenge with that sometimes, especially as your staff grows bigger, Mm -hmm. um, is that Um, If all you do all day long is think about how do we better get people connected, sometimes you can end up with a very convoluted, multifaceted, many path process to just get connected. Yep. Yeah. And so on that, like you end up with something as kind of a second problem, which is that they're overly complicated. Yep. And if you think back to when we were pastoring uh, at Redemption, the first church we planted, we spent a lot of time in some larger churches learning about connection. Mm -hmm. And so then as a smaller community, we put a connection path that was like it was clear in our ability to understand it, but it was complicated. It required like, it just required more steps than what are warranted in a, you know, a community of a couple hundred people. For sure. Yeah. Way too many classes, way too, yeah. It was just a lot to keep track of. And even uh, from us, like back then, even from the back end side of it, the logistical process, there weren't great church management systems back then. There are some great ones now, but I mean, uh, still myself and then Kenzie, she's a part of our church here in Salt Lake City. But Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we talk about what we call the spreadsheet. If I say to her, do you remember the spreadsheet? She, I mean, we went, you know, I don't know how far they go, like as far as like columns, but you know, it's like A through Z and Mm -hmm. then it's double A and we got way far, just trying to track. Was it literally an Excel spreadsheet? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's how we managed the entire church because we had signed up for a church management system that was trying to like be Facebook and it really did nothing for managing your church. Right. It's a bummer. Yeah. And so then another one would be, and this is something that you reference, but like in a larger church, there is a sense in which getting connected isn't required. Yeah. Meaning 
it's easy to hide out. Yeah. And I've heard people say, you know, oh, it was just nice to kind of like mm-hmm. fade for a while. That's just not good for you. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm introverted and uh, I've been in ministry, still attending new churches gives me anxiety, even if it's one that like a church that I support, I'm even more anxious because I just, I don't know what to expect. I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. Um, and I get that sometimes people are looking for that, but that's not a great thing to look for from a church. And there was a, like, you know, we came up ministry wise in Chicago. And so we, if you're in Chicago, there were many, many years where almost any church lived in the shadow of Willow Creek. Mm -hmm. It was one of the OG mega churches, you know, during that era. And there, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time when, when it came to connection, like Willow really promoted people's um, desire to hide. So their statement was people don't want to sing anything, say anything, or sign anything. Mm -hmm. That was their three things. So their worship singing portion was not very participatory. It was more performance oriented. Yep. People don't want to like, you know, turn and greet and say hello to anybody. And then Mm -hmm. they don't want to have to like fill anything out or give any information. And so they built this whole culture at the time around people's ability to slip in and then to slip out completely autonomous or uh, um, anonymous Yeah. so that they had no idea. So all of those challenges can be present in larger churches. Whereas if you think about our environment right now, if you walk into our tiny church of a room, Mm -hmm. like we had guests on Sunday, whole freaking church knew everybody knew. we had new people on Sunday because yeah. you can't hide out right which yeah. is the whole point and it might have been overwhelming for the I don't know maybe it was maybe it wasn't it depends probably on their own kind of preference as, as that goes mm-hmm. um, but there's no way they left feeling like nobody noticed me no one talked Definitely to me not. I just faded <laughs> like yeah. they didn't feel that way there's no chance if if anything they were feeling on the opposite side yeah. of that coin where they yeah. felt real noticed <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so then when when we think about ways that a smaller uh, community can offer offer deeper connection I think there's two primary ways that 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 can be true so what would you say is the first one? Oh, I think for sure just connection with one another yeah I think that um, it's easier especially when people come up to meet you because they mm-hmm. recognize that you're new and all of those types of things it's just so much easier to get to know people um, when when the church is smaller yeah because I think even even having attended like even when I first moved here, um, I mean, and we were together, uh, several of us, but I attended a pretty big church for a while and I didn't meet anyone mm-hmm. at all because yeah. it just did, you know, you were just like, I, I don't know what's happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, yeah, I think that ability to connect with one another is really, um, again, like you might be introverted, you might be extroverted, all of that, but just to be able to like join a conversation that you're not a part of or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or to have people invite you into that is just way more likely. Yeah. We just went through this shift. It would seem like in a lot of modern church culture where <clears throat> we so idolized and worshiped mega that, um, we, I don't know. It's almost like there, there was a day and an age when what was normative was to be in a community that was of a size where, you were known yeah, and knew sure. everybody, yeah. you know, like 
that was just super normal. And that doesn't mean like the church is 20 people. Like your church can be a couple hundred people and you can still really know everybody. Sure. And, and I know that larger churches can accomplish that through small groups, you know, where you can still really be known, but there is this real built in value of, you know, depending on the size of the community, you can literally know everybody. Oh, totally. Which is I mean, awesome. I could go back to the church I grew up in, which was a smaller church mm-hmm. in a smaller town, and there's still people who would know me. Um, I also have attended some larger churches over the years, and if I went back, I guarantee, I, like, I'm sure I've been deactivated and my email address doesn't even come up. Yeah. So it's just a very different kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. So knowing one another, connected to one another is obviously huge. I think another one is you should, and I would argue this is a should, you mm-hmm. should have a deeper connection with the leadership of the church. And that's like whether you have an elder board or deacons or solo pastor or a couple of pastors like we do, whatever it is, there should be an ability for people to have greater access to their leaders and totally. deeper relationship with their leaders. Like, yeah. So when we were in North Carolina, I did virtually no pastoral counseling because, again, we had staff members that did that. Um, So I met with our staff members a lot. I would have lunch with people in the church um, occasionally, but by and large, I did not really interact very much. My primary responsibilities were to teach and Mm -hmm. to provide leadership to the staff, and that consumed the vast majority of all of my time. In a smaller church, I don't have to, here I don't have to manage a staff, I don't have to do any of that. I still teach, but... If you haven't read the book, I do that in eight hours or less. So it doesn't consume my whole week. Um, And so that really is a great benefit in that I feel so much more deeply connected to the people of our church. I know when I say something in a sermon on Sunday, I know the people in the room that it's going to encourage, that it's going to trigger, that it's going to, like I, because I'm able to be connected to them in a unique way. Oh, absolutely. And I think even for us right now, your very first step to getting connected is to have a meeting with you. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's like lots of ways about it. Some of that has to do with the change we had to make to our space. So we don't have an opportunity for even like a small group gathering. Right. Uh, but that said, like, I don't know how many people on their very first Sunday are being told like, check this box and our pastor will reach out to you to set up a meeting where you guys can get to know him and he can get to know you. Yeah. That's just not super common uh, as far as I'm aware. No, totally. So I think you said something insightful at the top, which is, you know, there are, there are large churches that can't, can be good at this, but it can be, as we've Mm. talked about much more complicated on the connection front. And there can be some small churches that are not very good at this at all. So as you think about, um, or we think about advice for churches that are smaller communities that want to do a better job in cultivating or fostering connection, mm-hmm. what would be uh, some of the things that come to mind for you? I mean, I think number one is, you know, the pastors, the staff, whatever you have, even if you're the only one or there's a couple or maybe you have yourself and then some lay uh, lay people like we do, uh, make yourself accessible and available. Yeah. I think that um, we, uh, and I think what's hard is the, the trainings and the things like this that exist are typically done by huge churches. Mm-hmm. And so you go, and, and we experienced that for the first church we planted in Illinois, where you went to something and it was like, don't give out your phone number, uh, you know, protect the pastor, all of that. And that's all fine and well. Um, it's not 
as relevant here. I mean, right. I think everyone has our, like it's in the directory. Everyone has our numbers. Like, it's yep. just like, it's not a big deal. And I think very rarely, at least I, you can speak for yourself, but that like concern that you're going to get calls in the middle of the night and almost never happen. And when it does, it's a real emergency. Yeah. And, and I, a, the only people I have that, that text me too much are people that don't go to our church. <laughs> right. Yeah. Truthfully. Sure. They're yeah. people that like follow some ministry stuff, like from the field yeah, yeah. online that I will get like text after text after, but, but by and large, the people in our church, I've never uh, abused that. No. Yeah, for sure. And they don't expect you to be on their door uh, every time they, you know, stub their toe to like lay hands on them or any, like no. that just doesn't happen. And so it creates an environment where people feel like I can actually get to know the people that are, that are leading our church. Yeah. And I, the only thing I think I would add to that is to be discerning about your own wiring, gift set, makeup, and how you make yourself accessible. Cause I wouldn't want mm, someone to hear that and to think like, well, you have to be, you know, on call 24 seven, because I would say, here's one area that you and I are different. Like, as you've moved into your new condo this is the mm -hmm. first time in God knows how long that you've had the space to be able to have people in your home for dinner. Yeah. And Five years I was in an apartment where I could see two people, including me. So right. I'd sometimes have a couple over and I'd stand over the dishwasher and eat while they sat down <laughs> yeah. at the kitchen bar. Doesn't yeah. feel awesome. Yeah, but great. you are great at that and you really enjoy that. Mm -hmm. My home is not a primary place in which I make myself accessible to people in our sure. church. Um, and I think a lot of that is informed by when we were in North Carolina, we had two years where Tammy and I and our kids, we all really felt like we were sort of paraded around like show ponies and we mm -hmm. were forced into very uncomfortable situations over and over again. Totally. And so that's just like, we just don't like, we have, we have some people over into our home, but by and large, the way that I'm accessible is I have coffee with people. I do counseling oh, yeah. with people. I like everyone has my cell phone number. People rarely wait more than one week to have to, to get together or to meet. Um, I work really, really hard to carve and create that space, but that's just an example of like the way that I'm accessible is different than the way, like you have a job that right. is not I was pastoring say, in our that's church. The full biggest time. thing that like, I do enjoy having people over and I don't really have another opportunity. Right. Uh, because like if somebody like every once in a while, somebody wants to like get together with me, like for lunch, I have to like block time from clients. Mm -hmm. I, you know, like, I mean, my response is to, you know, we're the opposite. Somebody's like, Oh, should we do dinner? And you're like, can we grab coffee during the day? Yeah. And people will be like, Hey, can we grab lunch? And I'm like, why don't you come over for dinner? Totally. And so some of it is just the nature of the difference. And, and I'm sure that especially at smaller churches, we're dealing with people who like maybe have like a, a full-time or even bivocational, mm -hmm. like, lead pastor. And then the other people who are seen as leaders have to like make it work. Yeah. So if you're a formation person and you're a lunch person, you get to have access to me. Uh -huh. If you're a dinner person, they get access to you. That's right. But you're getting cared for no matter what. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I would say another thing would be, and we've touched on this a little bit, mm. but is to pace your infrastructure. Um, meaning like we don't want to have a more any more convoluted or complicated systems than what are absolutely necessary. So, like I think at one point at Redemption, what did we have? It was like a it was definitely three classes. There might have been a time. Oh, there was like the newcomers lunch. Mm -hmm. Then there was like a connect class series, which I think was three more classes. Yep. And then there Anytime was. Anytime 
a class is called the class series. Yeah. Run. Run. And, uh, and, and that was just unnecessarily complicated. So right mm-hmm. now, like our connection process is largely come and me- come and hang out with me so yeah. we can get together to get to know one another. And then we'll get you plugged in to yeah. serve in yeah. some capacity and start attending meetups. That's yeah. our process because yeah. that's all our, our, community demands right at this time yep so just be very careful to make sure that you're pacing that infrastructure uh i think next planning church-wide events yeah um this is uh something that like especially if you live in like a warmer climate than we do you can do that all the all year round because the average uh picnic shelter um as long as you're a resident in the town is like 25 bucks for a few hours um and so that's great and so i don't know go out to Sam's Club spend a couple hundred bucks on a uh, on an event grill. They've got a great event grill all the time. They've had it for years and years. Mm-hmm. And like I don't know, throw some hot dogs on and get people together. Yeah. And it's not about the food, and it's not about like the fact that people like need another thing to do. It's about an opportunity or a venue for connection. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that's been difficult for us is we used to have this space that was like multi-purpose and mm-hmm. we could have great events here. I mean, had a great like Christmas party, just mm-hmm. different things like that. Uh, happy hours that were just awesome. Yeah. And now we're a little bit more strapped. However, uh, you mentioned even as we started that I hadn't really like processed through, but we have uh, a 30 minute period at the beginning of our service to allow everyone to get in um and uh it just is like it's fellowship time Mm -hmm. and like the first week i was like this is never gonna work Mm -hmm. and then the second week still kind of Mm -hmm. and then as it's grown and it's only been a couple of months i mean you had to like quiet everyone down a few times i mean our turn and greet i i couldn't believe it right and the turn and and greet that's after the 25 30 minutes of connection yeah so people like have already talked and now they're talking again and it's great because there are these like built-in opportunities for people to just talk about their weeks and get to know one another. And even though we have our own space, you know, I've always like even said when we didn't have our own space, well, you know, do this or do that because, you know, as soon as church is over, we have to start tearing down. Here's what I've learned. You have your own space. People still like Audi 5000 the moment <laughs> service is over for the most part, unless yeah. they're serving. Yeah. And so you really have to create uh, other unique spaces for people to be able to like connect with one another. And it's just so much more doable. I mean, even for us right now, it's a little bit more complicated, uh, but you know, we're, we'll be able to like, I don't know, for a hundred bucks and um a grill at the park. I mm-hmm. mean, we'll be able to do picnics all summer long. Yeah. So it'll just be really, really uh, doable. Yeah. And there's just real unique value in a church wide thing mm-hmm. in that, like there's just unique connections that get made there that wouldn't, that, that do happen outside of a person in our context, you know, like, with meetups, if you have, if meet our meetups tend to be affinity based. Yep. So if you're like, there's a movie meetup and you love movies, you might get connected to those seven people. Yeah. If you're a book club person, you might get connected to those 12 people. But the church wide thing gives mm-hmm. everyone an opportunity yeah. to kind of cross pollinate and get to know one another. Yep. And there's just a lot of value in helping people feel connected to the whole rather than they're just little micro click within the church. Absolutely. Another thing I'd say is, 
you know, kind of as the other side of like pace your infrastructure, you do need to have a clear path. Like there needs to be a path to connection. Um, There was a time where we were working with another church to provide some support in uh, Chicago. And I remember we met with them the first time and asking like, all right, so how how do people Mm -hmm. get connected? And they had told a handful of community group leaders, like look for people who are new and try to get them plugged into your community group. And that was like the whole plan. Yeah. And I would say, well, that would be a, a case where there's no infrastructure (laughs) for connection. Sure. And so I I think it matters that you not have too much, but it does matter that you have some clear path. So our clear path, you say it every week in the announcements is your first step to get connected is to have coffee with Pastor Ryan. Sure. And that's, I mean, it's just one step. It's super easy for people to know, but have some kind of clear path for people to take. Totally. Yeah. And to even like be in a situation where you like, I mean, I always say that's our first step. Our real first step is like, just give us your info. Yeah. The info. I mean, that's, that's number one. And even, you know, we have had new people come and, and they don't right away. Yeah. And I think, um, well, they can't go home and bemoan how we didn't reach out and follow up because we don't know who they are. Yeah. And so I think just making sure that people understand, I even say, um, the the reason we take uh, some time in every service fill out an info card is it's our only way of praying for you, thanking you for worshiping with us, and following up with you. Yep. And if I say, like, it's the only way and you choose not to do it, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not going to shake you down for it. We're not going to chase you out. Um, but no but, one, no one's going to be in the position that I was in where they're going right. to say like, I attended there for three months and no one ever said totally. a word about connection. Yeah, exactly. Which is good. I think the last thing is, um, uh, work hard to empower people with tools to connect. Um, I think this is something that we're always growing in. Uh, you know, we've mentioned meetups a few times and in the event you haven't been a long time listener and understand what meetups are. We just utilize our tools to let people schedule whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And so it can be a movie, it can be brunch, it can be a wine dinner, it can be whatever you want it to be. And we utilize our church app and our registration process and all of that to make it clear. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and even in some things that we'll talk about in the upcoming weeks, as far as ways that churches can really invest in this. What I'm really understanding is um, when you have systems and tools that can effectively work for some of these things, just because things like meal train and sign up genius and all of that exist, doesn't mean that someone's going to stop and give it the proper thought as far as like what, what information do people need and how is this going to be the most effective and all of that. And so if you have some things like that, that you've had to work hard at in order to make your church uh, viable, um, like open up those tools to other people. And it's just as, I mean, for us, it's like a simple form that somebody submits as far as like what they want to do. And then we have someone who's got like a full-time job, but he serves as our connection admin. He like gets the form, types it into our tool and boom, it's on our, on our app. And so people aren't trying to like find everyone's contact info. They aren't trying to, you know, come up or reinvent the wheel. It's streamlined. And so as it pertains to formation, if I want to know, you know, what's happening, I immediately just open the app and all of it's in there. Yeah. And so the point is, it's not on you and I to plan everything that takes place in this church pertaining to connection. We've empowered our community to foster the connection in the community, which is really great. Like I've only ever, there's been, I mean, I don't even know how many there's been at this point. There's been tons of meetups over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Um, I've attended none of them 
that Mm-mm. I didn't host. Yeah. I've done a book club a couple of times. Yeah. I've attended those. But there's been all of these connections that have taken place oh, by for sure. someone else who has planned them, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Cause all we're trying to do is create an environment where people can like get to know other people and hopefully make some friends. Yep. Yeah. So again, the hope in this every, every single week is that we will see that there is inherent value that is present in small communities. And so we'll be back next week to talk about uh, yet another way in which there is value present in being small. But until then, we would love an opportunity to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on all platforms. That's not true. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm not on TikTok. What's all? Uh, yeah, I don't even, there's probably some I don't even know about. But you can find me on them at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H U G U L E Y. And you can find me at the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D R E W I T Z. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.